Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Kylie Camps, owner of the Kind Parenting Company, wife, proud mum of twin boys, and happiness advocate. This podcast is a place for women who want more from life. It's your time to cultivate more self-care, compassion, happiness, love, and confidence. Let's have real conversations to help you feel better, choose better, and live your best life. Welcome to episode number 17. This podcast is dedicated to sharing with you 10 of my top tips for managing that mum work-life juggle struggle because regardless of your situation right now, at some point or another, you may find yourself in the position where you feel as though you are straddling that line of being mum and also working or perhaps studying. So I wanted to share with you some of the things that I have learned over the last five and a half years and have made a big difference to me. And hopefully some of these pointers, some of these tips can save you some of the frustration that does come along with trying to wear so many hats because as mums, that's what we're doing. We're wearing a lot of hats at once. So like I said, regardless of the situation you're in right now, Hopefully you can take something away from these tips. I put these together because when I sat down and I thought about managing that work-life balance, there are a few things that really do stand out for me. So whether or not you work from home or you work out of the home or you're studying or you have plans to return to the workforce, hopefully they're helpful. So let's get stuck into them. My first tip is is to turn notifications off on your phone. This is something that I had to learn the hard way. When I first returned to work after having our twin boys, I was a slave to my notifications on my phone. Before I went to bed at night, and it's just not realistic to be dealing with work mode or study mode all the time. You just can't do it. It, it really does take away from what you're doing in the moment. And I had many of those moments where I would be trying to be really present with the kids or focusing on something for the family, whether that was making dinner or whatever it was, or just like getting into bed myself at night. And then I would see, like I said, the emails come through or social media notifications, whether it was a direct message or a private message on Facebook from a client. And it just would stress me right out. So I realized that I needed to have all notifications turned off. And it made me actually better when it did come time to responding to things because rather than me, you know, shooting off a really quick reply whilst I was stirring the dinner or between nappy changes or when I was nearly asleep myself, it meant that without notifications being on, I actually went in to check communication during times that I had the time and the capacity to reply to the best of my ability. Because when you are just responding to notifications all day, you become reactive and I don't know, you just you, you don't always give the best of you. 
Whereas if you actually wait until a time during the day where you're, you know, you're in the game and you're ready to respond, it's so much better for everyone. And something else that I realized pretty early on was if I did respond to notifications outside of hours, then I was training my clients, I was training my customers to expect that from me. So rather than showing them that I was going to get back to them during work hours, I was in fact giving them the green flag, giving them the go ahead to send me continual messages out of hours and to expect to have my attention at all times throughout the day. And that wears you out really, really quickly. So whilst it is nice on the surface to make yourself available to your workplace or your studies, your co-workers, whatever it might be, it does eventually come at the price of, in my opinion, a lesser quality of communication because it can eventually become a stressor. So that's why my first point is to have your notifications turned off and deal with them when you're ready to. Because if we have all of that communication coming in all the time, we will definitely get communication fatigue. And that is a real thing. When you have little people who are just at you all day, and as I said at the start of the episode, you're wearing so many hats to just continually be in that reactive mode will take its toll. Now, my next tip is to be organized. And this does kind of feed into turning your notifications off as well, because you need to be organized enough throughout your day that you can get to those notifications. It might not be every day. It might be a couple of times a week, but you do need to be organized enough to making sure that you are getting to getting to those things that are super important and being organized in all areas just makes such a big difference. I've mentioned this before in my podcast where I speak about my morning routine and share some tips over there. If you haven't listened to that, definitely check it out after this one. But I talk about the whole concept of looking after future you. So what can you do the night before? How can you spend 15 to 20 or 30 minutes just looking after future you to streamline the process of your day. So getting organized, for example, for me, the night before a school day, I make sure the kids' shoes are out with no knots in their shoelaces because you would be surprised how infuriating knots in shoelaces can be if you're running late. My two boys are in kindergarten, so they're five and a half, so they haven't quite mastered tying their laces and they sometimes get their friends to help them. So I'm talking millions of intricate little little knots that are so frustrating. So I get the knots out of their shoelaces the night before while I'm listening to a podcast and while I'm not in a rushed state, I make sure I have four socks out, four individual socks. I make sure I have two pairs of shorts for them. Their school uniforms, hats are in bags, all of those things that, you know, don't take a huge amount of time and they're not big stresses. But the next morning, if I was running late or we had a difficult morning, which does happen, then those things actually can become really, really frustrating. So getting organized in that sense of looking after future you whether that's making sure drink bottles are filled, your lunch is ready to go, um, whether you need to go and put petrol in the car to save you doing it tomorrow, those sorts of things add up. 
Now, being organized also applies to your work or your study. So being sure and being clear that you know what you're going to be doing the next day or the week ahead. So mapping out your week and just writing down what needs to happen, scheduling in anything that you know is upcoming and making sure you're ready for those things. So organization is something that you can practice and you can really introduce into all areas of your life. Of course, you don't want to be overly managed, but when you are a parent and when you are raising small people and you're trying to do a million things at once, organization is your best friend. And I know it's not exciting. It's definitely not sexy, but it will help you. So just having a little think, what can you do to be a bit more organized? even down to thinking about what you're going to wear the next day. Just, I often speak about removing resistance so things are easier. Just make life a little easier on yourself and being organized can certainly do that. Tip number three is to be aware of how you're spending your family time. If you were to assess all the time you spend with your family, how much of it is quality and how much of it is really, really concentrated where you feel like you're in the moment. Because we are all doing so many things, often when it comes time to the weekend or those opportunities to connect with our family, we find ourselves multitasking. So we might be having a conversation with our kids while we're folding the laundry. We might be letting the kids watch TV while we play on our phone, but considering that to be bonding time. And sure, there are definitely situations where you just fall into those habits and it's okay. But there are also times when you need to really realize, hey, am I connecting with my family when I have the opportunity or am I getting overwhelmed with all of the things that I need to do? So I'm not saying that you can never multitask. I love a good multitask session, but what I'm saying is to just be aware of how your week looks or how your day looks and can you carve out that really quality, that concentrated time to give your family, to give your loved ones your undivided attention because when we are spreading ourselves super thin, one of the things that can come up is mum guilt. And again, I've done a podcast on this topic as well, but one of the best ways to combat mum guilt is to go in with quality time versus quantity. You don't have to spend every waking minute with your children, but just being mindful that some of the time you spend with them, how can we make that more quality? Can we have a special bonding ritual that you do each night, such as reading a book, just the two of you, or you know, maybe you take a walk with your oldest child just so that you can connect with just them. Something that has made a huge shift for me is that I don't have any social media on my device, on my mobile phone over the weekend. So when the boys were really little, like when they were under two, I never had my phone out when they were awake. But as they got older, And they would spend more time awake, you know, having less day sleep. So it's quite easy to be off your phone and to be really present when your babies are only awake for an hour and a half or two hours at a time or three hours. But then when they begin staying awake for most of the day, you do slip into the habit of being on your phone quite a bit. And so I realized that I needed to introduce some systems to help me put my phone down 
and be really present with the boys. And so tip one, um, which was turn off your notifications, was a game changer for me. But then I also started having no phone time throughout the evening. So from about four until 6.30, phone would be completely down. And it just allowed me to feel like I was having that real quality time each evening with the boys and I wasn't being distracted. And then of course they got older and habits creep in and I found myself being on my phone more than I would actually care to admit. And so last year I was thinking about how sacred weekends would be once the boys were at school because I'd pretty much had them most of the time. They were going to family daycare two to three days a week. So they had me a lot of the time, but I realized and I remembered that when I was little, how important weekends were. So I made a rule at the start of last year, I think it was, that on a Friday I would delete social media from my phone and I would just install it, re-download it again on a Monday when I was ready to dip back into that world. And it's honestly been one of the best things, one of the best habits ever that I've established for myself and my family. Because rather than being on my phone or trying to capture things on my phone, I'm able to be really present, you know, and maybe I could do a whole other episode on this topic on managing technology and kids. I'm no expert in it, but I can share my thoughts. But just being aware, quality time, what things are distracting and taking away from you having the opportunity to spend that time that you really, really want to. So yeah, just bringing awareness to that. Tip number four is to accept help and to also learn how to delegate. So they're kind of two different things, kind of interchangeable, I guess. But basically, accepting help is not always our strongest point. A lot of us as mums feel like we need to do it all. We need to be the martyr. You know, we, we, can, we can do it all. And it's ambitious, but it's so important to accept help and to ask for help when you need it. If people aren't offering that help, then to open your mouth and say, hey, I really need some help. I'm having a tough week, a tough month, a tough year, whatever it is. How can you help me? Because I need it. And if people are accepting that help, don't be too proud. I mean, sorry, if people are offering that help, don't be too proud to accept it. Now, the second part of that point is delegating. So you might find yourself doing way more than your fair share at work. And it could be because you have trouble with allowing other people to step in and help out. I can certainly put my hand up here and say when we first started the business and and we got to a point where I realized I needed to bring another team member on, it was hard for me to delegate and step back because there is that kind of, I guess, transition period where you need to learn to trust someone else to do the things that you're asking of them. And you also need to accept that when you delegate, Things won't always be done exactly the way that you would do them. Something that I had to learn was it is better that things get done well than it is that they get done exactly how I want them every step of the way because I was just spreading myself way too thin. So learning to delegate and learning to delegate doesn't just apply to your work life, but also your home life as well to sort of relinquish some of the control and allow people in your life to step in and step up and help you. 
It's not always easy, but it is important. And the more you practice it, the better you get at it. Now, after a few years and of having different team members, I have so much more confidence when I'm asking for things to be done. And I don't expect things to be done exactly like I would. And often they're done better than I would. I just had to get out of my own way, which is something, you know, maybe some of you can relate to. My next tip, and this probably is no surprise if you've been following following along for a while, is I think it's incredibly important to prioritize your bedtime and a consistent wake up time each day. And not just for you, but for your whole family. If you are having interrupted sleep overnight or consistent, ridiculous early starts each and every day, you're going to struggle and everything is going to be so much harder. Sleep deprivation is torture and excessive night wakes, they take their toll. So if your little ones aren't sleeping well, check out our Kind Parenting Company programs. They're amazing. I might be a little bit biased, but I'm incredibly proud of them and the support that we offer. Once your babies, your toddlers, your children are sleeping really, really well and consistently, it's such a game changer for the whole family because it means that you have an end to your day. You can know with a certain level of predictability that, you know, by 6.30 p.m., 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m., your day as a parent can come to a close for a little while. You can take that long shower. You can read your book. You can have an uninterrupted conversation with your partner. You can have your acts of self-care or get in the study that you need to do or whatever it is. It's so important. And I just can't stress that enough. If you are not getting a good night's sleep or you don't have any time for yourself, it will come out in other ways. You might find that you have far less patient, you're angry, you're moodier, you're just generally not very happy and I don't blame you. Sleep is a basic human right and I'm surprised at how often it gets overlooked and how widely accepted it is that, you know, once you become a parent, you just kiss sleep goodbye. It doesn't have to be that way. Of course, when you have a newborn, absolutely, sleep is interrupted, but you do have the power to help your little ones to improve their sleep and in turn improve your own sleep as well. I also really believe in the power of a bedtime for adults. I'm not talking about a super strict like, oh my gosh, I can't come out because I need to be in bed by 9pm type vibe, but just being aware of how you feel after a full night's sleep and what time is a good time for you to go to bed. For me, I need to be in bed between 8.30 and 9 because it just means that I'm asleep I get a full eight hours uninterrupted. I can still wake up early, which is important to me because I'm definitely a morning person. I can still get a couple of hours of work in before the boys wake up. So just prioritizing sleep, having a consistent bedtime for the whole family and a consistent wake up time as well. Because if you do have that consistent wake up time, and of course there will be days that it goes out the window because Babies, toddlers and kids are not robots and neither are you. But if you do have that general, typical, consistent wake-up time, it allows you to be that bit more organized. I know 
most of the time, my kids wake up between 6.30 and 7 a.m. So if I get up at my usual early time, which is between 4.30 and 5 a.m., I have those few hours to get the things done that I need to get done. So focus on sleep as well. And tip six kind of leads off from focusing on sleep because, as I said, sleep is a pillar of health and so is nutrition and hydration. So tip six is to really focus on your nutrition, or even if you don't want to really focus on it, at least be aware and mindful of how powerful it is when you are fueled well and how disempowering it is and how dangerous it can be when you're not fueled well. So many parents are running around literally on an empty stomach or surviving off their toddler's crusts or the leftovers that their kids just don't want to eat because we're always so worried about our families having enough food that we we do just tend to graze, you know, we'll pick at this, we'll pick at that and we just get through. But you don't want to be just getting through. You don't want to be just surviving. You want to be thriving, which I know is a bit bit corny, but you do. You want to be full. You want to be satisfied. You want to have high energy levels. So you need to be aware of what foods agree with you. I don't think that there is the perfect meal plan for everyone out there, you know, as in there's one meal plan that everyone should follow. I think it really comes down to getting to know how your body and your mind responds to different foods and to make sure you're eating enough. So many parents are under eating massively and I've been guilty of it at times as well. But focusing, making sure you're eating a good amount of food, making sure you feel full and just, yeah, bringing awareness to the fact that you are important and whilst you are packing the kids' lunches, make sure you're packing your own as well. All too often we're being told that we need certain superfoods or super powders or capsules or whatever it is, but I hate the thought of anyone investing in a superfood capsule or a superfood powder before actually assessing or trying to actively improve their nutritional intake because a superfood is not going to help if you are running on empty or if you are just eating crappy foods day in, day out. And just on that topic as well, make sure you are hydrated. It's incredible how being dehydrated can affect us and how many of us are walking around in a completely dehydrated state. Now, this might seem like it's, you know, way off the track of managing the mum life, work life juggle. But seriously, if you are not looking after your body and your mind, everything is going to be so much harder. So it's all relative make sure you are sipping water all day. Now, tip number seven kind of ties in with being organized, but I felt like it needed its own little bullet point. And that is to consider having a must do task list. I believe that this this concept, this idea, this practice was brought to my attention by the beautiful Lorraine Murphy, who has written some amazing books. She's she's a wonderful author and human and business owner. She's very inspiring. And I'm certain that it was in one of her books where she suggested to write out your must-do tasks each and every day. So, of course, not over the weekend if you don't need to, but when it comes to working or studying, just having, you know, three to five really clear things that you want to achieve. 
if there was just three or four or five things that you could get done that day, what would they be? What would they look like? Because all too often we sit down to work, we arrive at our workplace and we know that we've got so many things to do and then we just don't get to them. We end up filling our time with other tasks because we don't have a clear checklist of the most important things. So writing it out today, I need to achieve one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is. And when you first get to work or you first sit down to study, or, you know, you first walk into your office to work from home, those are the things you go to first. They are your highest priority. They are your must do tasks. I do this every week. I have a weekly planner and I write out the things that I want to achieve and I do them first. And then anything after that is cream. That's just a little bit extra that I can feel even better about. But at the very bare minimum, those are the most important things. And before I started doing this, I cannot even tell you the amount of times I would sit down at the computer and stare at the screen and just think, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. But I would find myself getting sucked into replying to emails that I didn't really need to reply to or scrolling on social media or just doing anything but those most important tasks, even though I knew they needed to be done. Having them on paper, getting in the habit of ticking them off each day is really, really helpful. And you can use that even if you don't work for yourself. You can turn to your boss, your employer and say, what are the most important things that you need done today? Just to make sure that you are hitting those tasks. Tip number eight is to become efficient in assessing what is useful and what are time wasters and how you can minimize time-wasting activities. So when I say time-wasting, that could mean so many different things. Perhaps you are continually getting the same email over and over and over again. So you could create a section on your website where you have frequently asked questions and you can just pop the link in there, or that might mitigate the amount of um, emails that you get because people will go to the website first. So looking at the things that, you know, are making you less efficient throughout the day and how can you streamline or create a process or a system to minimize and make it easier. A couple of months ago, I had to sit down and come up with some autoresponders because I am forever getting emails from people who want me to share their products. And it comes in many different forms. Most recently, people emailing me saying that they've got this wonderful gift that they'd like to gift me and they just want to gift it to me in return for one post on Instagram. And I feel like writing back, that's not a gift, but you know, maybe that's a whole other episode for another day. But just having an autoresponder. So I have a template, you know, thank you very much for reaching out. However, I'm unable to promote your product, wishing you all the best. So I can just copy and paste that. They get a reply. And then there are other emails that I've identified as such big time wasters that I don't even reply to. And it's not because I... um, um, Not because I want to be rude or anything like that, but if they're coming from you know, a place where I can tell that this person has just sent me this cut and paste job. And, you know, I'm trying to think of an example whilst, you know, still being polite to people, but, you know, an example might be from an agency who sell Instagram followers or Instagram likes. 
and they're saying, We've, we follow you at Kylie Camps and we would love to help boost your following or whatever it might be. Like to me, that's just not even worth a reply. So identifying time-wasting tasks and how you can create systems to make them easier. Like I said, whether it's adding a frequently asked questions page, having a link with your terms and conditions that you can send to people quickly, just, you know, what are the points of friction in your own, um, in your own place of work and how can you simplify? Now, again, you might not work for yourself, but in your workplace, if you notice those, you know, protocols that are just so inefficient, say perhaps you work in retail and you're realizing that you are triple handling one product before it hits a shelf or before it hits a hanger or whatever it is, you might be able to say to your manager or the person in charge of you, your boss, another employee, hey, how can we make this more efficient? This is such a time-wasting way of doing things. What can we do to streamline this process? Tip number nine is to practice saying no and to implement boundaries when you need to. And again, like I've said in this episode, we can all get to the point where we just feel like we have spread ourselves so thin and then we find ourselves saying yes to things that we don't want to do. And we've all been raised that it's nice to be polite and it sure is, but not at the cost of your own mental health or happiness and sometimes not at the cost of quality time with your family. So practicing saying no when that's what you really want to say. And for some people, it comes easier than it does for others. But the more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. You might find it helpful to have a conversation with your partner or your friend or a loved one, or even just sitting down with a notebook and pen and writing out some boundaries that you feel you could really benefit from. And if you start to have that conversation or you start to jot things down and realize that you really don't know what boundaries you need, think about what are the biggest pain points in your life and what would you like to change? Do you feel as though you're taking on too much work over the weekends or you're up late at night trying to fit too much stuff in or perhaps you're running yourself ragged because you've agreed to um, pick up kids from school for a friend or to have your niece and nephew over the weekend or whatever it is. You know, we all have different pain points or different things that make us feel too stretched that we feel obligated to do. But just write them down and think, okay, what could be a boundary? Perhaps a boundary could be that I only care for someone else's child once a week, or we only go to one family dinner a month or whatever it is, or, you know, I only accept two overtime shifts a month. Just having clear boundaries means you can actually stay to them. It means you can stick to them because, you know, you could set out and think, okay, I'm going to say no. But if you don't know what your boundary is, it's hard to say no in the moment. Well, it's harder anyway. But like I said, just practice it because it's up to you to protect your quality time and to also protect your quality of work. That's something I learned again in the first year of having a business was, I was really ambitious in wanting to help as many people as possible and so I would spread myself thin but what would happen is the quality of my service would be impacted as much as I hate to admit it because I was too stretched. So having boundaries benefits everyone when it comes to that juggle of mum life versus work life. And if you do struggle to say no in the moment, 
then things that you might like to replace no with could be, I'll come back to you. I'll check and come back to you. Or I would love to, but not right now. Or thank you for thinking of me, but I have a personal policy not to do that. And that's one that I've used myself. I've been invited to speak at so many events lately and I've just said, you know what? I've given myself a policy that this year I'm not going to speak at other people's events because I want to speak at our events. And when I book myself in to go and speak at other people's events, I sometimes feel disappointed because I don't have that full, I guess, um, control of knowing how the day will run. And I'm really fussy with events. I like them to be super high quality. So for me, if I'm booked out and I speak and I arrive arrive at an event and it's not of super high quality, I'm really disappointed. So I've said, I have a personal policy that I'm not going to be doing that. Or I was asked to post a photo over the weekend Um, for a great cause. But I said, I'm really sorry. I have a personal policy that I don't use Instagram on the weekend. Those sorts of, I guess, words, phrases that you can lean on are really, really helpful if you struggle with a flat out no. Last but not least is tip number 10. And that is to create a transition between work life and mum life. Now, when I say transition, what I mean is to just be aware of that time where you go from work mode to mum mode and can you carve out 10 minutes to just check in with yourself and to help yourself transition from taking off the work hat to putting on the mum hat so that you're not arriving to pick your kids up and you're still carrying all that tension in your shoulders from the shitty day that you've had at work or You're not, you know, greeting your kids at the school gate, but you're still on your phone and you're still in work mode. How can you create a transition period between the two? If you work outside of the home, then your commute can be a great opportunity to actively check in with yourself and try and, I guess, de-stress and change your mindset and get back to your feminine core and get back to yourself, take the work mode off for a little while. Perhaps in your line of work, you spend all day talking. Maybe you're a hairdresser or a beauty therapist or a receptionist, and you're just talking all day. You're in customer service. So your transition period may just be being super, super quiet and just alone with your thoughts and feeling as though you don't need to respond. No one needs you for that 15 minute drive home or that hour train trip or whatever it is. If you don't have a big commute home, can you take 10 minutes, you know, sitting on a park bench somewhere or even just sitting in your car and just taking some big deep breaths and just centering yourself again? Because when we're always, always rushing and feeling flustered, that's when we feel like we're on the back pedal and little things annoy us. Again, we just we just have less patience. Now, perhaps you're in a job where you don't get to talk and you feel like you're on your own all day and you're just going a little bit stir crazy. During that transition period, do you need to pick up the phone and call a girlfriend so that you can talk about your day at work or perhaps talk about things that have nothing to do with work just to change the vibe. You know, maybe you need to vent or maybe you need to be totally distracted. It just, it it's so individual what you need during that transition time. 
but just something that can pull you out of work mode. For me, I often like to time having a workout before I get the kids because I do have that flexibility of working from home so I can finish my work day at like 1.30 p.m., keeping in mind I've been up since four and I've worked before I get the kids. Not that I have to justify anything, but, you know, there I go again. So I will time it that I can go and get a workout in, which puts me back into my body. It makes me feel like I'm being mindful again. So then when I go and see the kids, I'm not bogged down in the things that are on my mind throughout the day. And, you know, maybe it's for you, it's listening to an uplifting podcast on your way home from work, or maybe it's a shower, you know, a nice long shower before you have to put the mum hat on. And when I say long, like a long mum shower is like four minutes, right? Um, But just whatever you can do to create a transition period will help you. For some people, it might be putting some essential oils on their skin, some deep breaths, some stretches, a very quick walk around the block, like I said, a phone call, um, a podcast, or just sitting in silence. Whatever you can do to create that space will be helpful so that it does feel like less of a juggle and like you're trying to do less you know, than a million things at once. But anyway, I really do hope that these 10 tips were helpful for you. As always, I'm so grateful anytime anyone takes a screenshot of the podcast and uploads it to their Instagram stories and tags me. It really, really does make me smile. I've said it a million times, but I never get sick of it. I super appreciate it. If you want to want to follow along on Instagram, my username is at Kylie Camps. On Instagram, you can also find our company, and that is at the Kind Parenting Company. We are forever uploading helpful, hopefully, <laughs> helpful content over there as well for all parents. Or you can jump onto our website, which is thekindparentingcompany.com. Have a good look around. We have heaps of free resources online as well as our programs. I will chat with you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.